All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 120 of the Rink Shrinks. You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, a uh, lot to catch up on. Some hockey news that's gone on. Obviously, some you know big NHL happenings. Uh, but what's been going on in the personal life? Uh, not too much. You know, we got some baseball. Do you ever say not too much? Not too much. Yeah, but <laughs> not too much. A lot. <laughs> not too much. And then I go into like X, Y, yeah. and Z. Then <laughs> we just walk through every day of the week that you've had for the past seven. Yeah. So we got baseball <laughs> and uh, ah, not too much. Yeah. I mean, everything. Yeah. It's uh, no, it's been uh, busy, but that's what we got, you know? So we got baseball across. Um, I wish the weather would turn a little bit more because I'm sitting there in the uh, outfield. It's like, you know, the wind and more the wind. Yeah. I mean, I can deal with the, you know, the temperature, but the wind kind of like, you know, kind of rips through you and then spent probably like five hours uh, watching the baseball and then over to my daughter's lacrosse game um, this past Saturday. So we, uh, we, we put in a shift, let's just say Courtney and I did. And mm-hmm. uh, kind of had to uh, celebrate a little bit, going to dinner and enjoying ourselves. Good. Out in the garage, watching some hockey, yelling at the TV like every other fan out there in Boston. So it was an yeah. uh, unfortunate outcome. Let's put it that way. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, same thing here. Um, you know, busy running around with kids. And we've been on the ice a couple times, which is always uh, always a bonus to get out there with you and uh, influence the the youth of America or the youth of uh, Massachusetts here. So it's uh, those those have been great. But yeah, same thing. Kids are playing baseball across some roller hockey, street hockey, that type of stuff. But like you said, it's just we need spring to break, right? It's now we're into May, uh, which stay. I mean, it's broken. We're into May. Days. Let the weather yeah. stay. Uh, <laughs> so we need to string together some serious nice days. I have yet to even get the golf clubs out of the the, the shed, which is never a good sign. I know you've played a little bit. Yeah, a couple um, times. I get something coming up, though, the next two days with uh, our boy Andy Erickson. A little construction, work, slash fun, golf. Nice. Drive some business on the golf course. But I, I don't know if my game's in order, man. I think everybody's kind of used to your game by now. Like you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna spray a few, but you're gonna dial it in and you're gonna grind people down and yeah, yeah. you know and and getting their 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 wallets one way or another. Whether you you lose and but you're still getting their wallets for the business stuff or you know whatever. You'll it'll work for you. We we yeah. know that it'll yeah, work. Yeah, we'll we'll do it with a smile. Uh, whether you're losing <laughs> or winning, you know exactly exactly. No, it's good, but yeah, I guess we should start get into that. I, you know, not that we we want to talk too much about the uh, the Bruins, but what an epic collapse! Uh, it just didn't feel right. As soon as Bennett got in the lineup for uh, for Florida, it was just downhill. And and I'm not going to sit here and start critiquing people, that's for sure. But it was uh, it was frustrating as a fan to watch. We were was set and poised to, um, you know, for a nice long playoff run, which would have been great and. Unfortunately, we didn't. But there's been a lot of good hockey. I know Jersey Shore has been crying in his Bergeron pillow every night, and and you know he's been very upset. But we'll get through it. Yeah, no, I it, it is disappointing. They had a great year. Uh, you know the body of work that they had throughout the season, 
playing fast, playing with pace, moving pucks, not throwing pucks, getting pucks out when they needed to. Mm-hmm. It just all fell apart uh, when it mattered. And what I looked at, and this is important for you know coaches listening and um, you know players. Game seven, it looked like they were a little tired. They were a little, you know, let's just say mentally, physically tired. So the indicator for me was F1. So the first four checker going in should be going as hard as they can to make that D make a hurried play instead of reading and reacting and, like, waiting. And that's what they were doing in Game 7. Like, I'm like, this is, like, nuts. I'm yelling at the TV. Courtney thinks I'm a, a lunatic. I'm like, F1, just get in there. And then everyone else reads off of that play. Right. And they just weren't doing that. The very simple thing that you can implement from mites to squirts to peewees to high school to whatever. So when you see that lazy F1, I love the lazy F1 as a demon because you're not under pressure, you're not getting hit, and you can make a better decision because you have more time. So that's what was happening in that game seven, which was disappointing to see, and it looked like they were just a little tired and uh, came back to bite them. They, you know, ultimately the, you know, the team that deserved it was the Florida Panthers. They wanted it more, and they kept coming, and they weren't um, phased by some adversity, and they played a very, very strong series, even though they were down three one. Right. No, it, it it definitely was uh was frustrating as a fan to watch. I think everybody uh everybody around here was screaming and yelling at their TVs. I know my you know, there was a couple of times where uh Joanna looked over at me and was like, Can you stop swearing? Like, well what 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 are we doing here? They can't they can't actually hear you, but um I was that guy, uh unfortunately. But yeah, it was tough, but it's it, the overall the the hockey has been fantastic. a uh, lot of good hockey and a lot of fresh blood now onto the second round of the uh, NHL playoffs. I don't know if that's the, the the right word, but like you look around, like, is there a, you know, you got the Canadian teams uh, with Toronto and Edmonton in, but like, it's pretty cool to see Seattle in the mix. They're up one, nothing at, at, at this point uh, when we record the show, um, Vegas is still in it. Like two of the newer franchises and you have Dallas still involved, Florida, like some different markets, Carolina, um, so it is cool to see those, you know, other, you know, non, I guess, original six franchises that are in the mix. And obviously your New Jersey Devils, um, you know, who you stamped your career with, um, you know, they're, they're still in the mix. So it is cool to kind of see some different teams that, that, that haven't won in a while or been in like the finals or newer franchises, right? Yeah, no, it's great. Anyway, it's good for hockey, number one, but Question to you is, who do you want to see in the finals and who do you want to see winning it? How about Toronto-Edmonton final? Yeah, uh, I and think Ed- Toronto Edmonton, has Edmonton winning path it. now, uh, but I would, I would go Toronto-Edmonton with Edmonton winning it. I, I, McDavid needs to win. That's you know, what I just to, said, too. No, I know, to validate his you know, ability more than anything. You know, he's been playing with shrapnel for a long time. <laughs> but on the other side, what I'm saying is, like, I would love to see New Jersey get there, no, too, because, like, they're, you know, not upstart by any means. They were, I'm going to say, second to last last year in the 
in the uh, standings, and then they're making a, a real push here. So I just, uh, you know, and again, I have a little loyalty there too. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, you can see it going so many different directions. Um, you know, obviously I like Dallas. I like Carolina as well. It's like such a toss-up at this point. And- see, that would be like a cool, like, you know, they just like Vegas a few years back, everyone was like, hey, you know, we're – no one wanted us type thing or whatever, like Band of Misfits, right? Uh, expansion, even though they're very, very good players, but they're so balanced and they have like depth scoring. Mm-hmm. And they lost their top score, you know, to an injury, but it's like, you know, they still find ways, uh, you know, to produce offense and, and play uh, correctly in all three zones. So they're fun to watch, but I, I do want Edmonton, um, you know, for McDavid and Dry Settle's sake to, to make a good push and, Hopefully, when it after yeah. the the bees get got bounced, I know that'd uh, be entertaining to watch at the very least. Uh, speaking of entertainment and championships, it was cool in the past week to watch a uh, former guest, obviously Dan Muse. He uh, guided the USA under eighteen team to the uh, to the men's world championship at the U eighteen level, and uh, some local influence. Obviously, your uh, your your screaming Eagles had a very uh, you know. A ton of guys, future Eagles, I should say, playing in that game. But that was uh, – did you catch any of that game? I think it was Pat, the, this past Sunday. Yeah, so I I, I taped a bunch and watched. Um, I love how you say taped. Uh, well, uh, DVR, whatever it is. Yeah, if there's anybody under 18 that listens to this has no idea what taped means. So, uh, yeah, I said the VCR at the time. <laughs> but I um, – no, it's it's really cool because you taped over, you know, last year's final. Yeah, America's Funniest Home Videos that I taped uh, the week before. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I love it because I know a lot of these kids personally and coached against them. My son is uh, the same age, and to see these guys playing at this level and performing, representing their country, is like so cool and. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed, uh, you know, high-level hockey, but these guys have, like, really bright futures. And, you know, like you said, there's a few of them going to uh, BC next year, and they're, you know, probably one of the best. It's the best recruiting class in in college hockey. And BC has uh, uh, those guys coming. Yeah, whoops. And um, <laughs> but they don't know the handshake yet, you know. Well, once they get on campus, then maybe I'll go take a visit and and teach them the the secret handshake. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was great, great hockey, and Dan Muse did a great job, and what a great guest, and like his approach and his demeanor, um, is so great for these guys to learn from at this age how to play the game the correct way. It's only going to help them at that at that next step. And right. um, to win a gold medal at this age, uh, representing a country, uh, it's su- such a great, um, you know, task. Number one, to to be on the team, to win, and then to have that success both for coach and player. Uh, so congrats to those guys and uh, continued success. Yeah, continued success. And obviously, uh, you know, same thing, seeing those kids they used to see around the rink and now they're at that that under 18 level um, is uh, is really cool. Obviously, the Eisenman kid, 
Um, you know, my son used to play against him. He's off to the University of Minnesota in a couple of years. He's a kid that's in 06 playing up in that birth year. So really cool to see them, you know, win and, and, and come on top uh, over Sweden. And Dave Lasson, who was, a, you know, an assistant coach up at UNH when I was there, he's been uh, with USA Hockey on the you know national teams for a number of years, but he does a really really good job with the goaltender. So it was cool to see him celebrating with Musi and 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 the other coaching staff. So really uh, really cool stuff for sure. Uh, I wanted to touch on you know speaking of all these champions, there's there's a reason why these guys got there, and it was they worked on their game off the ice, right? So Franklin Sports is the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out our line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today. Uh, also, I wanted to shout out and thank Franklin for partnering with us, partnering with us uh, for a nice little giveaway this week that, uh, you know, an Instagram contest that we had. Uh, thank you to everyone who participated in that. And they sent us some pretty cool squishy pucks, Mots, for the uh, Shamrock shootout that we were uh, over at in West Roxbury, Mass, on, uh, on Saturday, which was a cool event as well. No, nah, it's so great. Uh, number one, like the, the community and like the the organization of that Shamrock shootout was amazing. You know, like just in the the streets, the kids are having a ball. And, you know, if you saw any of the pictures on Instagram, it just it ran the whole street. It was like four four blocks of, you know, street hockey nets and kids. And but it was very well organized and, and getting in there and just seeing the uh, enjoyment of everyone, parents, kids. And uh, Franklin was a big part of that at sponsoring it and, you know, allowed us to, you know, give away some of those uh, squishy pucks that could be shot at like a little brother or a little sister (laughs) or, you know, just used in any different way. But uh, franklinsports.com, make sure you check them out for all your off-ice training needs and uh, appreciate their support. Uh, of the Shamrock Shootout, along with the Rink Shrinks. Yeah, that Shamrock sh- Shootout was uh, was like nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, and and living in Boston and the area most of my life, it was uh, amazing. But it's you know this tournament's been around for I think fifteen, sixteen years. Obviously, mm-hmm. you, you throw the COVID um you know thing in there and maybe a year got canceled. But to describe it like uh, on a podcast, so it basically started out on one street. Um, in West Roxbury, Massachusetts, and you have games probably what every I'm not a, a, a you know a feet or a distance guy, but say every 50 yards, right? And it started at one end of the ring, uh, one end of the street was like kindergarten and first grade, and then it was second and third, fourth and fifth, fifth and sixth, all the way up to like eighth, ninth graders. So there was 20 games going on at once, and it was just a sea of people. Um, Everybody, you know, I, I know when it originally started, it was right around or on St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, they they pushed it back uh, to close to May, just hoping that get, um, you know, a little bit better weather here in, in uh, the Boston area. But just really, really cool and a great idea. And they, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, caught up with a lot of people from, you know, the area, people that I went to high school with that I haven't seen in years and people that, you know, listen to the show and, and things like that. So it was really, uh, really cool event. And it was, I, I was glad you were able to join me over there. Obviously Liam played um, with the younger guys and he had a blast and it was like, they, they, they had the rinks all set up and just like little bumpers in between. And, you know, it was true street hockey fashion. Like 
balls going onto front lawns, balls going into the other courts. But people are just like, you know, they had refs out there throwing it, throwing new new uh, street hockey, Franklin street hockey balls out every, you know, every time. And the games were like, it was, it, it was awesome. No cars though. No, no, yeah, we didn't have to worry about game uh, on. Uh, game on. <laughs> no, they uh, they got the permits for the street, so they were able to to you know the one day a year they they shut Temple Street down, and it was uh, it was awesome, a great event. No, it was it was a fantastic event. I wish I could have played. Yeah, you would have been. <laughs> you been that guy just pounding like the <laughs> Franklin Street hockey ball at some little kid. Yeah, hey. Only make them stronger. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a great event, and happy that we were included, and um, appreciate everyone coming out and uh, enjoying their time at the Shamrock Shootout. But like big big shout out to Franklin Sports for sponsoring, you know, sticks, balls, everything um, for that tournament, and uh, you know, it was just a, a great day all around. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a blast. Um, Mott, some some crazy news here. No, I shouldn't say crazy, but sad news, I guess, in the uh, in the hockey world. A legendary, um, you know, high school program, Matinon, uh, which is it closing its doors after seventy five years. Uh, which, if you grew up in the Boston area, um, you know, there's uh, some pretty strong hockey ties to, to, to the Matinon high school program, obviously Marty Pierce coached there for years and, you know, national uh, state tournaments and state championships. I remember back in the day that, you know, everybody, they had Mohawks and, and things like that going to the garden and watching those guys. And you remember some of the, the former NHLers that played there, Steve Leach and um, Sean McGecker and, and obviously Nico Dimitrakos, Mike Morrison, uh, Mots, who who else am I forgetting here? Well, old, old Tom O'Regan, you know, Tommy like, O'Regan, right, right. They, yeah, they, there's there's just been such a storied past within the hockey, uh, you know, community. Like that, they just produce very good players. They won national, I mean, uh, state championships consistently, and it's uh, it is unfortunate that they have to close the doors after so many years of, um, you know both academically and athletically having success. And one of the best high school players that I ever saw played there in TC Harris, mm-hmm. who he didn't end up playing in the NHL or anything, but he was one of those guys that at high school, you know, me being probably a middle school, him being a junior senior in high school, he was on the same team as, as Nico. And uh, he was one of those like electric factories on the ice, just unbelievable hockey player. And um, one of those guys that, that, you know, I'll never forget, uh, watching him as a, as a young kid. And, you know, you, you talked about some of the guys that you grew up watching, but he was a guy that, you know, talk about like dynamic skill level, wasn't the biggest guy or anything like that, but was just an amazing talent. He was around your age, right? Yeah, we were the same age. We grew up playing together, playing against. And then, uh, you know, he continued to get better and better and better. Like he grew a little bit more. He was always small, but then he grew enough to, you know, not be, say, considered small, but mm-hmm. he wasn't like, overly big wasn't physical but he he thought the game at a different level tc yeah. harris was an unbelievable player um you know you, you know even growing up he, he always kind of found ways to be effective is what yeah. it was and then you know as he got um better and better with his skill sets and his skating uh was was an absolute electric uh high school player like you said so yeah, yeah. he was he was one of the guys and i'm glad you mentioned him at Magnon that um has it put his stamp on on that program and you know nico uh dimitrakos as well like just like silky smooth and 
no panic, but uh, such a great uh, player. Um, all those guys. So, but um, city boy, kids, right? City kids that grew up playing a lot of street hockey and exactly. roller hockey and stuff, and that's where they developed their game and their hands and their hockey sense, like you talked about. So it's it is sad to see. Uh, you know, I know some of the O'Sullivans had played there in the past. The Stephanie being one of them, Stephanie O'Sullivan, who obviously went on to play with the U.S. Uh, women's team and things like that. But it's a you know, like just if we could go down an entire roster, there was uh, you know hundreds and i mean thousands of kids that have gone through marty pierce's matt non program and um just been it was it, it it is sad and just kind of an iconic school um going away right i know they kind of tried that combination with the boston hockey academy and and they were using the school and stuff but i'm not yeah. sure what's going to happen there yeah uh, that I was just my saw, question I yeah i just saw the article um you know, yeah. last night so it, it, it'd be interesting to see what happens with all that i'm sure they have that plan all figured out because they've been off the ground for a few years now yeah the the, the academies are a different animal and using the brick and mortar of of matignon high school was such a draw because you're actually in classroom you're not taking it online and you know um they're, they're doing a good job at kind of like you know with the the hockey curriculum on that side but like to have the academics um that Matt and Young uh, provided as well was such a bonus. So we'll see where that shakes out. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of like RIP Matt Young, right? I know. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, Mots, I think it's time we, we, we send it over to our interview this week. Obviously, we were lucky to be joined by Tony Amonti, um, you know, who's a great guest, and, and hopefully you guys enjoy. But before we do so, this interview is brought to you by TSR Hockey, uh, located, located up there in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can get all your equipment needs. Uh, the hockey season is, you know, it's it's 12 months a year. We know that, right? There's little breaks here and there, but you there's – Always time to go up and see the guys and stock up on what you need at TSR Hockey. Uh, make sure that when you're in the store, you tell them the rink shrink sent you. Uh, now is also the time to be, you know, looking good, getting your fittings in. So if you're uh, you're interested in, in getting those guys, making you look fresh for next season, contact them directly at the store, 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave. Make sure, again, you let those guys know the rink shrink sent you. Um, TSR's New England's premier hockey store, hockey store, and a proud sponsor of the Rink Shrinks. You can also visit them online, tsrhockey.com, and um, you know get all your shopping needs taken care of there. Yeah, I mean you gotta look fresh for next year. I just got an email about um, you know the fittings and whatnot. Yep. So make sure that you're reaching out to the boys up at TSR, Mike or Dave, or if you're able to be in the area. Um, you know, get get up there and talk to Brendan at the store. Uh, but check him out at tsrhockey.com for all your team's needs. And now time for Tony Amonti. All right, now next guest is a veteran of 11, over 1,100 NHL games with 900 points. He played for the Rangers, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, the Flyers, and the Flames. He was a, uh, a fourth-round pick, number 68 overall by the New York Rangers, a five-time NHL All-Star, and a USA Hockey Hall of Famer. Welcome to the Rink Shrinks podcast, Tony Amonti. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for taking your time here, Tony. I uh, appreciate it. Grew up in the area, watching you uh, come through, you know, fair, BU, in your pro career. So appreciate you uh, taking the time and coming on. 
Yeah, no problem. Always uh, fun to talk to a couple of friends, right? <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. Well, Tone, you know, for the listeners that don't know, walk us through the the beginning of your hockey career. Obviously, you come from a uh, you know a, a storied hockey family, and Bobby Sheehan being a cousin, right? A, a, a local legend that we all grew up skating with. But where did you you know fall in love with the game of hockey? Uh, I think it was just. My father brought my brother and I up to Hingham Arena, got in the middle rink, started skating, and just fell in love with the game. Uh, the both of us, Rocco and I, just wanted to be up at Hingham Arena as much as we could, get on the ice every opportunity, we, every chance we had. Uh, my father would take us up there, then got involved with Hingham Youth Hockey, and then uh, just moved on from there on out. You know, back then it was, uh, it was all about youth hockey and playing for your town and uh, – it wasn't much of AAA hockey, not till I got a little bit older, probably into, you know, uh, uh, middle school age or uh, just before high school. I think AAA really started to take off. But before that, it was you played for your town. You did the best you could. And uh, was it, you were always looking to go into college, try to get an opportunity to play at Harvard, BC, or BU. Yeah, you, you talk about your dad. He's such an influence. Like, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to – to meet your dad and you know he was always a staple at the the games at there even when i was playing there and is there any other influences like when you were coming through um that kind of like put like a, a little more stamp on your game other than your dad i you're probably gonna laugh but the the, the thing that really opened my eyes was when i made the world junior team uh i probably shouldn't have made it I think Steve Cedachuk really wanted me at BC, so he took me on the team as an underage. Um, and I went to the World Juniors, and I, you know, I played on the fourth line, didn't play a lot, and we played against the Russians uh, in a tournament was in Alaska. And uh, this is the first time my eyes were really open to hockey. Was uh, Fedorov was in the middle, Bure was on the right, Alexander McGilney was on the left, Sergei <laughs> Zuboff was on D, and Oops. I think it was one of those other guys played defense. The it US didn't matter team, who else was out there. We didn't touch the puck. Yeah. We did not touch the puck for 60 <laughs> minutes of this game. And we had some great players. You know, We had Ronick, we had Madano, uh, another kid named Neil Carnes, uh, one heck of a player, played in Montreal, but... We never touched the puck, and I never seen anybody play hockey this way. The way they possess the puck, they turn back, they go back towards their own end, and I'm sitting on the bench going, "What the heck are these guys doing?" But they just dominated us, uh, and it was uh, so eye opening to see someone play like that. And it just, I think, ch changed the way I thought about the game and uh, how I tried to approach it when it, being a player. Wow, that's a that's that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been like just watching sitting on the bench like you were hoping to 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 stay on the bench as a on the fourth line like <laughs> I, don't put me out there yeah you, you get out there it's like you, you you never touch the puck you you did not touch the puck against these guys and the way they skated and they did it together and they always regrouped in the neutral zone it was just uh so impressive uh and and like i said something i've never seen you know, right. I, I'm 17 years old and, you know, playing here and probably not even deserving to be there. But it was uh, pretty interesting to see. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, you, you you touched on the skating aspect a little bit, but obviously tracking you and watching your pro career, like you were always such a strong and, and, and dynamic skater, very fast, 
Um, you know, I can remember the, the the flow that you had going back in the day, doing in the All Star game, fastest skater, and all that stuff. But yeah. was that skating like? Did that just come naturally to you, or was it just reps on the ice, like you said, as a young kid, or was it somebody that kind of gave you, you know, like power skating schools and things? No, really, we never power skated at all. We never really went to any schools. Uh, we really couldn't afford it as a family. So it was basically my father saying, hey, this Rona kid can really skate. Go get next to him in every drill. <laughs> Go behind him in every drill and try to keep up with them. That's how you, you want to get fast, get next to the fastest guy on the team, and then try to keep up with them. And that was kind of the uh, the way we approached it, you know, coming through high school. Jeremy was leaps and bounds beyond everybody. Uh, even as a freshman at their academy, Mots, I, I don't know if you know, but he had like 85 or 90 points uh, his freshman year at Fair, which is just ridiculous. That's, you know, what kids do in their career now, nowadays. But uh, he was uh, he was an exceptional talent and uh, could skate like the wind. And, and, you know, I took my father's advice, tried to stay with him. Never really did, but <laughs> gave a good shot. No, you did great uh, on your own there. Like, you know, you always, like, when you think about it, you know, you, you surround yourself with good players. You aspire to be good, uh, a good player by kind of emulating some some of the uh, aspects of some some games, uh, people's games. But you were a very good player, and you had this internal drive. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. This internal drive to be the best player you can be. And did that come just like naturally, or did you know, like dad, you know, you know, this competitive family? this extended competitive family, did, did that play into it? Or was it just like, hey, you know, I want to be the best every time I touch that ice? I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with how you're brought up. Obviously, we're a competitive family. I used to beat the heck out of my young sister, you know, in <laughs> basketball and anything around the yard, soccer, anything. We'd, my brother and I would beat her up, and she was always going in the house crying. But um, I, I think for us – you know, it was more of like a situation. Hey, we're not a wealthy family. We, you, we can only dream to be in the NHL. And that was the dream. Hey, can I go to the NHL and play in the NHL and try to make a living at it? That would be the greatest thing in the world. And it, and it happened. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity. And I think that's what it boils down to. If you can get that opportunity and you can believe in yourself and go out there and strive to get it. You can get it done. Well, that's great advice. And who, who was the winger on uh, you and Jeremy's line? So, Danny just, just, just to set the record straight, because I've heard a bunch, and I <laughs> I love the glue. I call him the glue, Danny Green from Dorchester. <laughs> <laughs> but set the record straight. Dan, well, it was mostly Danny. Yeah. We played with another kid named Richie Antonino just Antonino. a little bit, but Danny was. Uh, a varsity player in the eighth grade at Thayer back in the day, which right. really Huge. didn't happen back then. Danny was an exceptional talent as well. Um, so when we got there, he just filled in on the right and, you know, uh, didn't get a lot of accolades. It's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. You play with a freshman that scores like 85 points his freshman year. It's tough to be seen. You know, right. uh, JL was able to do it on his own. He didn't need Danny or I. Uh, to get the job done, but uh, it was fine. It was fun tagging along, being on that line, and uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, usually a question we get a lot. Yeah, yeah. About, uh, from to Jr. and I about you know about who, Danny. And, who uh, is the third wheel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still call Danny the glue, though. Like uh, he, he kept yeah, that line together. He's the best. I talk to him every day. He's yeah. he's the greatest guy. That's and, awesome. Uh, I got a couple more things on uh, Thea before we move on. Uh, you, you had a, a a tough injury. Uh, you broke your femur. You know, going hard to the net like you do. Um, but what I want to, I want to ask you, you have another scar on your leg. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but did, where'd that come from? Which one? The one in Southie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, we, Robbie and I, we played on like the, uh, I think we were playing for the North Shore Raiders at the time. We used to drive up to the North Shore. It's a little easier for him living in Southie, but we went over his house. And I was playing like manhunt and stuff, running around the streets in Southie. And I just got close to a car that was in an accident. And I sliced my leg. And I never I didn't even feel it. I didn't even feel it. I looked down. This cut is going to be two inches deep. And it's the middle of the summer. And they tell you, oh, go home. Don't swim. Don't play sports. Don't do this. I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> so basically, played hockey tournaments swam in the pools and in the water or wherever and uh i have a nice huge scar for it but you know it's on my leg you really can't see it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to bit. bring it back to where you uh like you know being a blue collar family obviously growing up in hingham which has always been a you know a historic hockey town but like what was the decision process for you guys for i'm sorry for you to go to Thayer academy but his decision my brother and i are playing for hingham high I'm a freshman. My brother's a junior. He's leading the team in scoring. I'm second in scoring on the team at the time at Christmas. We, we're getting ready to go to practice, and my father says, you're not going to practice today. You know, the both of us are like, what? He's like, you're going to go play for Thayer Academy. I, this is at Christmas time. We right? shouldn't have to change ranks. We didn't. We that's well. We just went from the C rink over to the A rink, you know, <laughs> uh, right into the other locker room. They were, ah, we, my brother and I were devastated. We, we, I hadn't even heard about Thayer. I didn't even know my father had the wheels spinning with this. But you know, wow. what he said was, I think it's best for you guys to go there, and we're gonna go. Now's the time. Back Holy then, you needed crap. to go in like uh, as a sophomore. It's there. That's why my brother and I went at. Uh, at Christmas time, so he could go in as a sophomore. I, I went in as a freshman, ultimately broke my leg in half and uh, missed most of school and had to repeat my freshman year. Wow, I never heard anything about that. That's that's a wild story. Oh, yeah, the old Hingham coach, he never talked to us. <laughs> yeah, the day he I could imagine. He was, he was so upset. Garrett Reagan. Oh, Garrett Reagan, yeah. He was uh, a yeah good friend of my father's BC guy, too, Mark. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Man. In yeah, like that, in that old uh, <laughs> Thea locker room, you know, yeah. Tony, Tony signed his name, Rocco signed his name, throw <laughs> tape balls up and over the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that was, it was a real fire hazard. But uh, <laughs> fire hazard, yeah, big time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's amazing. You know, but you started paving the way for some of these, you know, players that came through just after you, um, including myself. I just really enjoyed watching you. I watched you out there. Uh, my brother was playing for Archie's, and I would watch you guys practice. So Jack Foley was a really big influence in my development. You know, he was an assistant coach for you. Uh, Mr. Valisani was your coach, uh, head coach. But um, 
as far as like, you know, practice and development in that time in your life, did you see a, a difference from, you know, when you, you know, were at Hingham versus there, according to the coaches? Uh, totally different style. And that goes to Jack and also Kevin Sullivan. Kevin was Sullivan, the other, yes. Was the other assistant coach at the time. And they just had some really different ideas about hockey. That was the first time you really learned about a neutral zone regroup. Right. Trying to get your feet moving uh, instead of just standing on the wall and waiting for the D to pass you the puck. We were always in motion, getting up the ice, and that had a lot to do with uh, Jack and uh, Kevin O'Sullivan. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, it just didn't seem like, you know, Arthur was more of the disciplinarian, mm-hmm. and uh, Jack was the guy behind the hockey. Um, and it was a great mix. Uh, we, we had some good times and some great seasons. That's great. And now as far as what you, you talked about uh... – Sudachuk being, you know, kind of in the mix in that early time during like the World Juniors, but um, were when you got through, you know, that recruiting process or started that recruiting process, what was your first choice? What were you thinking? Uh, and how did you ultimately end up at BU? Uh, it was, it, you know, back then it was a lot different. I didn't make my decision until senior year. Mm-hmm. Spring break, my senior year there, I didn't make a decision until. Where were you? But I, I, we went to St. Thomas. It was like six of us. We went to St. Thomas, and I came home. My father's like, okay, it's time. you got to make a decision. you got to call these guys. You know. So I made a decision to go to BU, uh, you know, slept on it, and then called the, you know, the other coaches the next day. I really wanted to go to UNH. I just had it. I, I had, there was something that I, I, I loved UNH. I wanted to go up there. Uh, Sean Cody was coaching at the time. He'd, he'd come and pick me up after a baseball game at Thayer, take me up for the weekend. I would stay with my friend Frankie Messina, yeah, uh, another Hingham guy. Stay with him for the weekend. Sean would come pick me up on Sunday, drive me back to home. <laughs> he did it like a couple times. couple like, of violations going no. on back in the day, right? <laughs> I, I, Coach Cullen was sick at the time up there. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Bob he needed Cullen, a heart yeah. transplant. He passed away maybe a year after, you know, uh, I decided to just go to BU. BU had a terrible year um, coming into my freshman year. They were they were bad. Uh, they didn't they didn't do well. Uh, they let a few kids go. Uh, two that I can remember would be the Lappin brothers, Mike and Chris. Mm-hmm. They were moving on, going to other schools, and it just seemed like there was a good opportunity at BU. And that's what I based my opinion on: was okay, am I going to get a good opportunity here? I'm probably going to be playing with. You know, the likes of Sean McEachern and, and Joe Sacco, and I think we could have a good team. So it was, uh, it was, it was uh, a fun time to be able to go there. Yeah, but, but blue chip uh, recruit, you go in and lead the team in scoring. So that that's like one of the things where it's like, you know, you get in there, you're not getting your, your feet wet. You're getting every opportunity, but you also produced. And you're playing with some pretty good players as well. Um, you know, so that transition happened quickly, meaning like you still were able to produce, you know, you're run, you know, running up the scoreboard at there. And then all of a sudden you go into a, a situation where you have the opportunity to play. Um, so Jack Parker, get, you know, kind of was the guy that you confided in you enough to be able to play as a freshman. Right. So making mistakes, you know, 
holes in your game, whatever, as long as you put in the puck in the net. How do you feel going in as a freshman and after that, you know, kind of early success, how, how did you, you feel your game was? Well, I mean, from what I can remember, I just, I just wanted to go in and play contribute, you know, and it, it, right away things started to click right away. And obviously having Joe Sacco and Sean McGeckin there, you know, and being able to play on the right side with those two guys was just, it's a gift. It's a gift from the yeah. coach to be able to give you that and uh, have that kind of faith in you and believe in you and uh, uh, give you that kind of trust to put you on the ice in all those situations. But uh we had a great team, and I think it was because of that transition Jack had made the year before and bringing in all these freshmen, um, Mark and Michael Davis. Uh, um, oh, my God. Petri, Koskamaki, Peter Ahola, Kevin O'Sullivan. There was there was Alexander Legault, uh, we, Cashman and Nett. There was a big transformation in the team that year, and all those guys contributed. Um, as well as myself, we're, we're able to go out there, contribute, and, and and play right away in the Hockey East, which was a beast of a league back then. Oh, yeah. With all the talent and the talent around the league, it must have been, you know, incredible. But what was it like with, you know, dealing with – no, I shouldn't say dealing with, but, you know, getting coached by Jack Parker. Like, that must have been an experience. And obviously coming from Coach Valicenti, who was a disciplinarian at Thayer, I'm sure you were used to it. And I know your father, you know – taught you guys the right way but was there any adjustment period with that not really i think jack was you know uh, uh light on us maybe our first year i think he was a lot a little harder on us uh, i obviously i only played two years there but the second year he seemed to be a little bit he'd grind on me just a little bit more than he had in my freshman year um and i got out to a bad start on uh in my second year my sophomore year I think I had three or four goals at Christmas time and really you know, the puck wasn't going in the net and, and Jack calls me into his office and he says, you know, I know you came to me in the beginning of the year. You told me you're going to score 30 goals. It's not happening this year. It's not happening, Tony. So <laughs> get rid of that goal and just, you know, set it aside and just go out and play just, you know, whatever it is. And I had one teammate on the team that was, the greatest teammate I've ever had. His name is Chris McCann played at Avon old farms. Then went to uh, Boston university and he, he'd come up to me every day and he'd say, Hey, Hey Tony, it's one at a time, one at a time, just go out there, get one at a time. That's all you got to do. And I get one in the game and he'd walk down the bench. He goes one at a time, get the next one, get the next one. And this wow. happened throughout the whole second half of the season. So then we got to the semifinals of the uh, NCAA tournament and, I was able to get a hat trick and score my 30th goal. And <laughs> I went right in the net, picked the puck up, skated it over the bench, and threw it at Jack Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> in, the, in the semis of the NCAA. Was that at St. Paul's with the uh, yes. clay glass? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I remember watching that. Yeah. Oh, jeez, what a what a what a. <laughs> That's uh, classic. Oh man, but um, <laughs> it was all good, all good. All yeah, but you end up with thirty-one, so you scored another. Yeah, I got one in the final. Not yeah. enough. One, Not one, enough. one. Yeah. Uh, we lost eight-seven. So. Eight-seven. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Oh, just Holy, to shoot out. That's a. That's a. Soul. <laughs> That's an absolute classic. Yeah. Um, but what was that decision like? Obviously, you were drafted, and I'm sure you know that the 
the draft going into it, right? Uh, you know, is so much different now compared to it was back then. But what was the the expectations and things like that? Obviously, the Rangers end up taking you, but you know, was it you find out in the paper the next day or get a phone call? You, you hear all these funny stories from guys in your era. It's kind of funny. The draft was in Montreal the year uh, of our eligibility, and like ten of us went up there with our fathers. So mm-hmm. it's uh, Joe Cleary. Teddy Crowley, Steve Hines, Jeremy Roenick. Um, oh, there was a couple other guys. And we all went up there. And I'm like, I'm never going to get drafted. <laughs> what the <laughs> heck? I'm not, I don't know what's going on. So we go. And it was all in one day then. You know, obviously Jeremy goes in the first round. And, you know, I'm just sitting in the stands thinking, I'm not going to, I don't even know if I'm going to get taken. I, I have no idea. And then, you know, the Rangers call your name. You're like, holy cow. You know, you walk down there and wow. it is what it is. You just go and meet everybody. But it was uh, it, it was fun. It was it was great to be drafted and, and to be there in the building. And uh, um, it was a, it was a lot of fun. No, that's cool. That's that that's that's a cool story. And obviously being up there with buddies and a lot of local guys that ended up being, uh, you know, great players in the NHL like yourself. But that transition, obviously, you had two, you know, successful seasons. And, and like you said, the second second year didn't get off to the best start, but obviously you finished on a high note. But what was that, um, you know, decision-making process like to, to go pro after your sophomore year? Uh, I just think it was time, you know, yeah. um, and scored, you know, was pretty successful in that second year, especially the second half of the season. And then the next year was going to be an Olympic year for Albertville, France. So um, I'm, I wasn't the greatest student. You know, I didn't love school. Um, so I think it was in my head the whole time. I'm either going to try to turn pro here or I'm going to try to be on that Olympic team all year, do the traveling and, and play mm-hmm. in Albertville and then take a shot at being a pro. But, um, you know, it was just uh, it was nice to have a few options back right. in the day to have that option to say, oh, wow, the Rangers don't want to sign me. At least I can go and, and try to make this Olympic team travel for the whole year, get some experience, uh, get some older guys, and then try to jump in. Yeah, I forget who we were talking about. Teddy uh, uh, Donato talked yeah, about that Donato, Olympic yeah. year. Yep. So, so we were talking to Teddy about it, and you know, he, if you think about it, it was really like a year of playing in the AHL. You know, for the for those guys, and then when they came out, they're they're ready. Um, so he he was like, "Hey, I, I hit the ground running," and you know, I had you know he he didn't look back. But um, it was really interesting to hear that from him because you know you don't think about that because we talk about you know everyone kind of has to develop at a certain rate or whatever, like whether it be you know as young players or you know you know college to pro or whatever. But he used that as you know. Uh, like a stepping stone to the NHL. But um, as far as going with the Rangers, you know, kind of like bright lights, you know, kind of you get out there. And uh, the, the funny part is, like, I wore 33. I wore three at, at there. Yeah. You know, so, like, Jack Ford was like, hey, do you know who uh, who wore this? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, then, and then they gave me 33 at, uh, with the Rangers. And I got – Absolutely, like embarrassed by Yager on ESPN. I was like, oh, I'm not doing Tony any credit here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, could you talk about your first uh, NHL game and your experience and uh, under the bright lights of uh, MSG? I don't know. It was a blur. 
You know, yeah. I basically yeah. came home from the final four. My father picked me up and uh, ended up, we were going to go to New York and sign. It was actually the same day Doug Waite signed as yeah. well, which was kind of nice to have someone else uh, with you to go through this. But I didn't own a suit, a suit jacket, suit pants, <laughs> dress pants, <laughs> dress socks. Dress, nothing. You had your bows, though, no? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I didn't own anything. So before we left to go to New York, we went to some shop up by Boston and got a couple suits. Filing basement. You know, yeah. filing basement. <laughs> no, I went to a suit shop. I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> but my agent took me, and I think he paid the bill, too, you know, and I think because I didn't have any money. Hadn't signed a contract yet, but, you know, flew to New York, signed a contract, and then the next day you got to walk into the practice rink, into the locker room. I am, I, I tell you, I was never, I sweat the whole ride there walking into the locker room you're sweating you don't know what to do you don't know how to act you sit yeah. there you say hello you know you you just can't believe you're there you know and then I'm you're the like last week i was throwing my 30th goal puck at the coach <laughs> <laughs> going to dad's diner and, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know I mean? and i'm like all right i'm in new york and playing going to the dugout like, this is surreal and it was nice to have you know a guy like brian leach there mike richter you know other uh, younger American guys, and obviously, like I said, going in there with Dougie Wade was was just the, one of the greatest uh, things that happened to me. We just became such great friends, but we were able to go in there, experience everything together, and and then work from there. But I think it was, uh, you know, I, I practiced maybe for a week or ten days, and then got thrown right into the playoffs. Game five against uh, the Washington Capitals. We lost in six, but. Was able to play games five and six that year. Wow! And had a couple of points too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. That's that's a great story. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's like it definitely like a uh, eye opening thing. Like you get to MSG, like as a visitor, you walk up the, the that uh, ramp, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, as as a, a home player, you're on the other side of just like. I enjoyed my time. I can't imagine like just coming out of school and like just jumping into the playoffs. I mean, like you were there, you know, and Rye Playland was a dump. And you're like, <laughs> is this the NHL? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I remember just watching you through that. And can you can you walk us, you know, you had uh you know a couple good years there, you know, you, you kind of find your your kind of spot as an NHLer and then you get traded. Uh, at the deadline can you talk about that and then you know going to a you know we can move into that after but um to another great franchise another original six yeah but you know my time in new york was great you know you get an opportunity to play with one of the greatest players the guy that i watched win the stanley cup in the boston garden like two years before uh, I'm up in the balcony watching him raise the Stanley Cup over his head. Mark Messier, of course, you know, we, I, I played with him and Adam Graves basically my whole rookie year. And then part of my second year, probably a good majority of the second season in New York. And then, uh, you know, it, my third year, I'm traded, obviously, right at the trade deadline. Uh, the year they go on to win the Cup. That's probably the closest I'll ever get to the cup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're scouting for Florida now. I, I guess we can, uh, you know, we're rooting for them. 
I didn't want to bring that up in the Boston area. <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> too soon. Yeah, 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 too soon. Man, I was just I, I, I speechless that they yeah. lost that series. I can't believe it, but you know, yeah. uh, unreal. But you know, getting and then getting an opportunity to go to Chicago, and the best part of going to Chicago was my high school linemates there. You know, yeah. so I'm in a hotel in Calgary the day of the deadline that year. Eight o'clock, my phone's ringing, the hotel phone, because there were no cell phones. No, no. Pick up the phone. It's Jeremy. Jeremy says, we just traded for you. Just sit by the phone. You're coming to Chicago. I just saw your jersey. You're wearing number 10. You're going to be here. The the, the whole nine yards. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, just wait. So I hang the phone up. (laughs) I'm sitting literally looking at the phone. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, one o'clock. Two o'clock, the phone finally rings right at the deadline. It's Neil Smith. He says, can you come up to my room? I, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, okay. I'm all packed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> walk up to the room. He says, oh, we traded you to Chicago. I said, oh, okay. All right. I, I'm out of here. Got on a plane that night and practiced the next day in Chicago. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a Chicago just turned out to be an incredible city. Just an awesome city to live in and uh, – and a great team to be part of. And we had a couple of nice runs. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't finish it off. But um, yeah, great getting an opportunity to play there with the likes of like Chris Chelios, obviously Ronick, you know, Denny Savard, uh, the legend. Um, you know, just so many guys that came through there. And we had some good times. No, and then and even just looking at those rosters, some of you know the American-born talent that made up a lot of your you know U.S. teams and World Cup teams, and obviously with Jr. and Chelios and and Gary Suter and guys like that, like just you know legendary USA hockey guys. So that must have been cool to have that that unique bond in in a locker room. Yeah, incredible to be able to play with those guys, and then on the international level too, to be able to just switch right over, play with players like. Like you said, Chelio, Suter, Ronick, you know, um, guys that are uh, top tier U.S. born players. Um, I couldn't have been more gifted. Yeah. So my brother went to UIC. So I used to go out and visit him. And uh, the practice facility there where you guys practice uh, was like just off the side there. You know, those Halstead, the main drag. And then where you guys practice, they practice as well. And uh, I ran into a couple guys when I was out there and just, you know, you were playing at the time. I was like so hoping to like run into, you know, Tony Amonti so I could, you know, I, I had my skates. Ask for like, a hey. stick, Monty. Yeah, I know. You know, maybe, uh, you know, th- 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 that's the best part about being a hockey fan and being a hockey player. But um, as far as uh, that World Cup like you were talking about, um, can you talk to us about, that tournament, number one, I think it was like one of the best tournaments that was constructed. It was prior to the NHL season. You guys are all in it to win it, like having like the pride of the U.S. versus Canada versus every other, you know, um, team that was playing. But like that U.S.-Canada game, I remember where I was. I was, you know, watching it at Jerry York's house, by the way. I was a freshman at BC, and he had wow. us over the freshman he wanted to keep a, you guys out of Marianne's. Yeah, pretty much. Had us in for a filet and some some dessert and uh, <laughs> you know, kicked us out, but we had to watch the game there, so it was great. But uh, could you talk to us 
just about that tournament and like how it all went down and then you know we can get into like uh how cool it was uh how it finished yeah it's just an incredible tournament just from the the get-go obviously lou lamorello was running the show for uh, usa hockey at that time and he just would uh there was carte blanche whatever you wanted he he took care of so we trained at providence college he had golf set up every day for the guys he had dinner set up every night it was like it, it was beyond what you'd see in the nhl it was incredible you know i i was like what is going on here this is this is nuts but um you know you had guys like the hatcher brothers uh hmm. you know just the animals both on and off the ice <laughs> being out there on the ice with them and then off the ice it was it was one heck of an experience but to be able to you know go to canada you know the, it's a best of three final obviously we lose uh game one in philadelphia and then have to switch up to go to montreal uh, no one thought we, that we were going to be able to win two games in Montreal, in their backyard. Um, the, the best part of it for me was my father was staying at the hotel, one of the hotels in Montreal, and he went in the lobby, and they, they had a huge room set up. Congratulations, Canada, on your victory at the World Cup and everything. And I, I remember my father calling me. I was on my way over to the rink, and he's like, hey, they're already setting up the party. You have to do something. You have to go out there and do something tonight. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right. You know, I was lucky enough to get that goal off the skate. Thank God they had changed that rule, right? <laughs> I think that was that summer they changed that rule about directing it in with the skate. And, um, you know, the game winner comes off my skate. Just the right place at the right time. So awesome. Yeah, that was incredible. Like you said, Matsa, for us growing up, and I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, like still remember watching that game, where I was, all that stuff. It was absolutely amazing. And, and to score the game winning goal, like the, it's legendary. And what you, I just hope that someday they can figure it out and bring that tournament back, right? Like, how good would that be for the game? I think they will. I, I think yeah. they, they have to, just to get all the pros involved again. It's the way to go. That, that tournament on, north american soil would be incredible yeah but you, you guys cared so much meaning you know some I, I look at it this way now like the level of commitment to what you guys were doing then now it's like all right you know i don't want to get hurt i want to do this you guys played playoff hockey plus <laughs> before the nhl season started you know what i mean it was like it was so impressive to see like the quality of play you know all the guys that we were talking about earlier you know you know you, you move in pucks you're competing you know the game was fast and physical and tough you know there was really no fighting but there was some <laughs> shenanigans you know yeah. intimidation along the way and i yeah. loved it you know so it was just at, at the edge of my seat as a fan and i don't know if you can duplicate that but if they could maybe bring it back enough you know, we'll see how it shakes out, but I don't think anything can duplicate that 96 uh, World Cup. I, I I think that if they just get the guys on the ice, it's going to happen. That yeah. uh, that competitive nature, the, the desire, the want yeah. to go out there, you're not thinking about getting hurt, you know what I mean? Not or when the, you're playing, or, right? Or the upcoming season. I wasn't, even, wasn't even a thought in my head about that. Huh. You know, that was secondary uh, to everything else, and... Uh, 
it just uh, it, it was you know obviously it's a memorable tournament for me because we won it, but it was uh, one of the greatest hockey experiences I've had from start to finish. Uh, it was just uh, an amazing time and a, an amazing group of players as well. Oh, that's awesome. I want to talk about, I mean, we touched on fighting a little bit, but the, the, you know, you played with obviously some, some tough guys throughout your day, but I know you had a real good relationship with, uh, with Bob Probert. And was there anybody that, that, you know, you felt more safe being on the same team as, as, as him? He, he, he wouldn't lose a fight. Probert just would not lose a fight, and it's not because he was a nasty guy either. If people knew Bob Probert off the ice, they would say they would there would never be a thought in their head that this guy fights for a living in the NHL. That's just not the kind of guy he is, and yeah. that's what the, the the best part of the Proby was. His personality was electric. People were just drawn to this guy. Uh, I remember having some great times with Proby. You know off the ice as well. Um, just an avid motorcycle fan. This guy, just a savage on a motorcycle. We rent <laughs> motorcycles in Arizona. He's got the cigarette hanging out of the mouth, the tank top on, riding down the street. <coughs> just an absolute animal. <laughs> but, uh, Do you still have your bike, Tony? Oh, yeah. I, I have five now. I, I have five bikes. So I that's love un- I love that's it. unbelievable. And no, that's great. And it's, it, 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 yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I know you, you know, you usually go out and, and do his ride and all that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about him, but he was, you know, such a guy that, that, you know, I grew up watching and you're just like amazed at what he did off the ice. And I remember talking to you before about just, you know, his personality and what type of teammate and guy he was. And, and it's cool to hear those stories. Unreal. He just, he, he was a, he, an unbelievable personality and, Unfortunately, prior to his death, he wasn't feeling well. And he just kept on saying, oh, I'm going to, at the end of the summer, I'm going to go get checked out. All right, I'm going to, I, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm just going to, you know, let it go. And unfortunately, he's on a boat when he has a serious heart attack and dies right there. Um, Terrible. You know, it was actually a lesson for me, someone who went through the same kind of things. Um you know, less than a year ago. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to blow it off. I'm going to blow it off, but you got to face it. Right. Right. No, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good reminder. So t- Tony, as far as like your career, like wraps up 2007, what, what, what is like, you know, you have kids that are playing, like, do you want to just like shut it down and like be a dad uh, you get into coaching enough. Like, did you just want to get back and like push pucks around or were you like, Hey, you know, I'm going to get all in on this youth, uh, hockey coaching. I didn't want to get in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just thought I could, I could maybe help my kids better from the sideline to be yeah. able to say, all right, let's work on this. Let's try to do this next time we play in a game. But it, the, the more they played, the worst the coaching looks like to me mm. and being taught the wrong things at a young age, just, it's not the right way to go. I, you know, so I, I had to, st- I felt like I had to step in, you know, and, and try to, you know, pass along something that I've learned or whatever it is, or help out with tips or, you know, and it just seemed easier to go on the other side of the rink and do it. As you both know, 
you know it's, right. it's hard to sit over there and watch someone coach a kid and you're like well, what the heck is he trying to teach them you know uh, someone that doesn't have um, you know an intimate knowledge of the game but um, you know in hindsight I probably would have gone the other way now <laughs> that my boys are older I would pr- if I had to do it over again I would probably just say I'm going to stay on the sidelines yeah, so you stayed on the sidelines with the girls' uh, lacrosse, so yeah, you know, because like it's not like you're gonna be able to tell them anything more than exactly y- y- your sister could have done. But you know, that's probably like just being a good dad, you know, being supportive. But I agree with you. It's like you can't help yourself when you know more. Yes. and you yeah. So so you get sucked in, and uh, you, you coach <laughs> you coach the boys. Uh, in the youth hockey, and you um, you end up you know becoming the the Thera Academy head coach. Now, can you talk about just like that transition to you know like hey you know youth development, and then you get to Thera, and it's like you know you want to win, you still want to develop, but you also want to win. Can, can you talk about how you kind of transitioned, you know, as a coach uh, and also a coach parent? Yeah, I think as a coach, you're always thinking win, win, win. You know, that's always the first thing on your mind. But I, you know, in in hindsight, it's, you know, just skill development, you know, and I think that's what everything, you know, went back to. And nowadays, this is the biggest trend in hockey is all skill development. We got to get skill. We got to get these guys to do this, 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 and this. Yeah, you got to have hands. You got to be able to skate. You have to have vision. You know, you have to have some hockey sense uh, uh, to be able to play out there, you know. And and for us, it was being able to surround the kids with good players, you know, kids that wanted it, like-minded kids that wanted to be good hockey players, went out there, competed hard, um, did what they were asked to do. And uh, it, it, it was a lot easier when you have less guys, when you get more guys in the mix, it always seems to get more difficult, you know. So you're, you're coaching a peewee team, and you've got nine forwards, and you've got five or six D and two goalies. Yeah, you have to, everybody's playing, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. in the mix. Everybody has a job, you know. When you get to the high school level and college level, it's just that's just not the way it is, you know. You, some guys are going to be on the outside looking in. Some guys just aren't going to be able to get on the power play, get on the penalty kill, but you know. So probably the biggest thing I learned, you know, coaching it there was you, you have to treat your fourth and fifth liners as good as you treat your top guys. Your eighth D and your first D have to be treated the same and talked to the same and try to go out there and explain to these kids, you know, what they need to work on and, uh, you know, how to try to advance their game as much as they can. Um, but, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say I was successful all the time. <laughs> but I know, think you did all right. Try to do it, you know. Um, you know, we had some good players come through too. And obviously, you know, I what I tell everybody is high school hockey, especially in prep school, it's ninety percent recruiting, ten percent coaching. If you really want to have a great team in high school and you can recruit, and the school is going to be helpful and help you get these kids in and make things work for you. You're gonna have a great team, All right? Yeah, that's a good point. 
as to, as far as your you know co- coaching philosophy, I would say right. So obviously you play for so many great coaches throughout your years, and probably some pretty shitty ones too, to be honest. Um, but you know, what was your kind of mindset, and what did you you know how did you kind of morph yourself into like, all right, this is how this is my coaching style. This is Tony Amonti's to- coaching style. I just tried to coach. You know, the coaching at Thayer was easy. You just try to coach like Arthur Valestani did. We're going to play harder than the other guys. We're going to skate faster. We're not always going to win, but we're going to give 110% effort every game, every time we step on the ice. And anything less is just not acceptable. And, you know, I think our guys, you know, we pushed them hard, and they went out and they played hard um, um, each and every year. And that was the first comment from most of the coaches that we played against was, wow, you know, you guys might have not have the most skill, but you're going to keep working. And you're going to keep coming. And that's that's all we can do. And that's all you could ask for as a coach. Is these players go out, they give 110 percent every day. How are you going to yell at a guy when he's going out there and giving 110 percent and he makes a mistake? It is what it is. Hockey's a game of mistakes. Um, they happen all the time. It's what you do after that mistake that counts the most. 100%. Yeah, that's like non-negotiable stuff that, you know, as coaches, you know, you have, you know, we have a lot of coaches listening too, but, you know, effort, right? Things that you can control. And you, you know, I, I, I saw it when I was, you know, coming back and watching there and, you know, I saw it over the last few years and uh, since, you know, you've moved on, that work ethic, that commitment to, you know, that – forecheck that hard playing hard in every single zone is still there and that's uh a, you know a tribute to you and what you you know had your imprint on uh, the fair um program so you know credit to you but uh, that's one thing that these coaches always can take to don't worry about you know the execution sometimes it's just like control what you control and if you, like you said, you can't get mad at a kid who's working his bag off and makes a mistake. You know, you know if he's if he's a dummy, he's a dummy. But <laughs> yeah, you know, like that, that's just gonna be you know what it is. But you can help him, you know, kind of learn situational tendencies and whatnot. But that work ethic is non-negotiable. Absolutely. I mean, that's you know the the groundwork for hockey that was taught to me. Like I said, through Arthur Valsani, um but, you know, it, you, you don't want to complicate things too much. You want the players to go out there and be able to be free to be able to make moves and do what they need to do. Um, I think you saw that this year with, the, you know, Pasenak. He, he seemed to have the red light all year for the, uh, the green light for Boston Bruins all year. You know, go out, create plays, and that's what makes him, that's what makes him successful. Um, obviously, it's different for different guys, but – you got to have that creativity and that freedom to go out and do what you need to do. Right. No, it's great. I, and obviously, I, I was lucky enough to to be able to watch, you know, a lot of your practices while you were at the Canton Sportsplex. And I was working there with, with Marty King. And, you know, we used to just always comment on that, like your guys that just competed hard and worked and, and they would just go, go, go at all times, which – you know, was they reflected you as a player too, right? Just that high, high compete level, which I think is so important. But I want to touch on like, you know, coaching your boys, right? So obviously Tristan and Ty, they came through there and obviously you coached them in youth hockey as well. But what was that experience like? Uh, I know you, you, you know, you kind of touched on like, maybe I should have stayed on the other side of the stands a little bit as we all, I think as parents think of that, 
And, uh, you know, it's nicer when you, you know, the parents are all going to Fridays before the game and, you know, you got to go there and prepare for the game or tie skates and things like that. Right. But, you know, was there, uh, what was that experience like coaching the boys? And obviously they've gone on to have successful high school and junior and now in, in, in college careers at, and at BU and everything. Yeah. You know, it was nice the last few years being able to watch them play, you know, go out there, watch them play and be a support system instead of going on the other side and trying to tell them what to do and what they need to work on. You know, I think it was probably junior or senior year for both of the kids when they probably came up to me and said, Hey dad, shut the F up. <laughs> no, that's, that's enough. You know what I mean? And, you know, you've taught them everything, a lot that you can teach them. And then you just turn into a, a support system, you know, and I find that the same way with my daughter who plays college lacrosse. You go there, you support her and, and try to keep her up when she's down. And if she's up too high, just settle her out a little. You know what I mean? I, I think that's the way for all kids. You know, they need they need someone they can be able to talk to when they get off the ice. And it's nice to be that guy instead of that head coach. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's great. And your your other daughter, your youngest daughter, is going to be you. Yes. Surprise, surprise. Or yeah, exactly. No, she she wanted to go out west. I thought she was going to go to California, or USC, or Stanford, but she ends up. She decides she wants to go to BU, which is great. You know, yeah. if that's what she wants. Then have at it. You know, she'll play the cross there as well, and that'll be our last athlete coming through college. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Well, Tone, this has been awesome. I think, you know, great talking about your career, but also some just, you know, huge, valuable coaching lessons and parenting lessons, uh, you know, that really fits in well with uh, what, you know, a lot of questions that we get on a daily basis. So we really appreciate you taking the time and, and, you know, hanging out with us. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Always yeah. good to see you both. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen you around, Brian, but I've seen, I, seen Mike over there once in a while. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, the the you know the admissions they they couldn't help you out and get my kids in. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's more so the age than it is. The yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. Probably could have got them in. But, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Wrong father. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great stuff, uh, Tony. I, again, th thanks for taking the time. This is awesome. Right, like, just catching up, man. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. See you, thanks, buddy. Tony. See we'll see you. Bye-bye. That interview is brought to you by Spox, the at-home or on-the-road skate sharpening machine. Head on over to SparksHockey.com and you use BY Mots for your $50 off your Sparks sharpener. Sparks is the at-home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and it will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head over to SparksHockey.com and order your machine today. Yeah, obviously we uh, appreciate everything the guys at Sparks do. And, uh, you know, that was a great interview with uh, with Tony Amonti. Obviously uh, had such a great career and, and is a uh, all-time type of guy. Uh, it was fun chatting with him. Yeah, he's great. Great player. I, uh, I just like his kind of demeanor on, you know, what he experienced as a player growing up. I didn't have much like it wasn't offered much he just earned it all the way along but getting behind the best player and trying to duplicate what he could do i love that that's a pretty cool 
Like you don't have to have all the, you know, bells and whistles. Like, like that's just a mindset, right? Yeah. So you want to be the best. You, you try to aspire to be the best. If there's someone better than you try and, you know, be in line with him, be in line with her and just get out there and try and, and, and do your best and you're going to get better. Right. I thought that was pretty cool. No, that was and, awesome. And like was... He's talking about Jeremy, Jeremy Roenick, by the way. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty good rabbit to be chasing around. Right. But no, it was, uh, that was great. Like, you know, parenting advice, right. From his father. And, and, and I, you know, just love all the old stories, obviously talking, um, you know, 96 world cup of hockey. Like that's something that, that will never, um, forget growing up watching it and uh it was it was really cool and i also love the story about you know his uh his teammate when he was struggling and you know it's just tony one at a time one at a time yeah. right and like for every kid that's struggling out there because everybody goes through it right it's just like hey one one shot at a time one goal at a time and I mean, how can you uh, not laugh at when he flipped the puck to uh, Jack Park <laughs> after scoring his thirtieth? Yeah. Um, uh, but he had like he said that he takes like, some that like takes some serious kahunas. Three or four goals, he said by Christmas, and ended up with thirty-one. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that's insane. Insane yeah. stats. Insane. So, yeah, I mean, you just see the total body of work on the on the stat sheet, but imagine, I mean, he was scoring every night plus. You know, right? To get yeah. There. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, great interview. And, you know, again, like I know him pretty well from, you know, uh, you know, skating with him and, and uh, his coaching days and really like his approach on, you know, holding kids accountable when in his coaching style and um, you know, that non-negotiable work ethic. And Mm -hmm. that's important um, for any coach to, you know, you you latch onto a few things that you are non-negotiable the execution will come, but control what you can control, and that work ethic is what Tony uh, always expected and demanded. Yeah, he's a very uh, honest and straightforward guy. I like having conversations with him, I used to love when it'd come up into my office at the uh, sportsplex, and, and when you know when Theo was playing out of there, and just having conversations with him. And I loved you know just picking his brain, right? Talking to him, talking about hockey. Is there's there's nothing better than that stuff. I could have. Sat there and interviewed him for for five more hours, obviously, but we didn't want to take too much of his time. Um, Mots, what do you say? I think it's time to get into the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Obviously, MyHockeyRankings.com is where you can find out where your team stacks up against the rest. Um, Mots, what do we got for a question this week? All right. Is the first it, – it, it, it multiple parts for, on this My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Is the first round the hottest to win? What do you think? Uh, we go one ab- by one here. I'll say absolutely because everyone's coming off a season. They get into the playoffs, and everyone's so excited to you know have that carrot of the the Stanley Cup. But you're getting everyone's you know freshest round. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you know there there could be some injuries going in and whatnot. But like for the most part, you're getting everyone's freshest round, and you're. You know, you have to win the first round to move move on to win the Stanley Cup. So a lower seed will play up no matter what. It's always the most difficult round. Let's just say you're a top seed. You put in the, the great uh, season to, you know, kind of position yourself. And for some reason, you see that little, little bit of letdown where, like, the, the bottom seeds are, like, continuing to, like, hey, you know what? 
we're the bottom seed. We're going to push through. So, yes, the first round, once you get through the first round, it is not going to be easy by any means, but the first round is the most difficult. And you've seen it uh, in years past. You've seen it this year. Um, right. Well, and, and, and a lot Boston. of those teams, especially at the, the um, similar to the Florida-Boston series, right? Florida's been playing playoff hockey for the past month and a half. Yeah, right? so they're like they have they're right they've they've already sw- uh flipped the switch so i would definitely agree with you and you see some of these teams that you know a toronto right where they've just it's taken them so so long to get over the hump um and actually win that and and what it takes and it's just extremely difficult and it's going to be interesting to see who wins uh you know wins out the rest of the way but that's uh like like the guys at my hockey rankings say Hey, anybody can beat anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter if you're the first t- seed or the 16th seed. Um, you know, hockey's a game; it's a game of mistakes, and those things are going to happen. So, all right, second pot. Um, and March, you got to answer this because what the heck do I know about it? Uh, what do players do to get used to playing every other night? Um, once you know you're in it, it it's absolutely just a routine. And so the schedule. The coaching staff usually does a very good job at managing energy. You don't have to practice, per se. Sometimes it's like optional to get on the ice on those off days. But a lot of guys like to get on the ice and just at least touch the puck. Um, you know, guys that are banged up can have that day of rest. But once you know you're in it, it's absolutely like that mindset again, routine, you you get into that routine on game day like you usually do, and then you get into a, a routine on the uh, off day. It could be practice, it could be maintenance, whatnot. Um, you're only on the ice for if you are on the ice for you know like 25 minutes tops. Yeah, just you know, kind of like get the legs going a little bit, get your body moving. But it is pretty cool when you know you're in that and you do it. Uh, the travel gets involved. But again, these guys travel, you know, is is not like waiting in line for the ticket counter, you know. It's like, <laughs> and, and like their food on the plane is not, you know, they don't have, they don't have the like TSA pretzels or combos. Um, <laughs> pretzels or combos. Yeah, no, like so, like the travel doesn't play a a, a crazy role into that, but it obviously does kind of factor into some of the sleep schedule, which is yeah. important. Um, but yeah, every other night I would love to play every other night. You, they, they don't, you don't have, have to worry play. about the airport dad with his fanny pack and his <laughs> combos and, and and all that type of stuff. You mean you me? Know, yeah, like you know, t-shirt tucked into the jeans with, with the, the new uh, balances with the, on, with the yeah, newbies and the belt tied, <laughs> uh, the tackler belt tied real tight with the <laughs> fanny pack. Um, but uh, you know. You, you you hit the nail on the head. I would think the the only thing that would be more difficult is if you're injured, right? But if you're healthy and you're going every other night, like you said, you that routine, it. you're probably buzzing and loving it. I guess it, you know, when you you're probably begging for a couple of days off when you when you're dinged up and injured, right? Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's not like you're gonna be completely healed, but those you know bumps and bruises, maybe you have a little you know tightness in the groin or whatever it is. You know, you sit in the cold up for a little extra, you know, give yourself a little break. Um, it is a very difficult time after a long season to ramp it up. But if you are relatively healthy, you want to be playing every other night. It's great. Yeah. 
No, it's good stuff. And the last part here, Mots, and you've seen all these cities. So uh, if you could move one NHL franchise, where would you move it to? So we're moving it existing? Or? Existing is what it sounds like. Oof. Um, and where is it going? I know. This is the kind of a tough one. Uh, I mean, I used to call Pittsburgh Schittsburg, but I, <laughs> I, I know we have a lot of listeners in Pittsburgh. Uh, and and there's a lot like great hockey town. Great fan base. No, what I'm saying, it's just like I didn't like going in there and playing because the igloo stunk. The shower yeah. stunk. New uh, rank, though. Yeah, the new rank was nice. Um, no, so that 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 franchise is staying for sure. Um, yeah, they're not going anywhere. I I mean it's it's kind of tough because there's if I, I I it's tough to like move a franchise right now. But if I had to start one, I mean I I mean there's one in Carolina already, but like South Carolina would be cool. But you know, compete with the Charlestown. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean. that, that's what I was thinking. Uh, uh, what about Quebec? Yeah, that I mean, that's the easy one. I I, I kind of was staying away from that, but yeah. ra- ravenous Canadian fans, uh, Quebecois. They had the for a long time. Played in that building. Oh, you played in the building too. Yeah, you damn right, I did. Um. But I played there, you know, in the minors, and it's just like really, really cool city. So yes, that would be first and foremost to like put one there. Uh, but I don't know about moving one right now. I, what I about have... like a Phoenix? There's always the rumors of like Phoenix to Austin like... or Houston or something. Yeah, but Batman's like kind of baby for some reason. Like he he yeah. wants that to work. Like if it's in Scottsdale, it's a different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean. I've Just never been to Houston or or, or Austin. Uh, Austin. Austin would be way better. Houston's like more spread out. Austin's a cool city. Austin, Massachusetts. What was that movie? <laughs> yeah, road trip. Road trip. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So it just to answer the question, I would say uh, if we're gonna move one, it would be Phoenix to Montreal. I mean, um, Quebec City. There you go. All right. So yeah. All right. There it is for the My Hockey Rankings questions of the week. Uh, all right, Mott's wrapping up here. Uh, what about, speaking of franchises, Snoop D.O. Double Jizzle, Snoop Dogg being involved in a group to, uh, you know, maybe purchase the uh, the Ottawa Senators. What do you think about that? I love that Snoop Dogg is a hockey fan, by the way. Number I one. love it. I love yeah. it. So great. Um, yeah, they're up for sale. So, I mean – you know, I've heard of a, a couple different groups with some high-profile names out there. Mm-hmm. Um, interested in buying them, but and again, that's like a, a spot where they're outside of Ottawa. You know, they're in Canada. When I, we played there, there was nothing around it. You'd have to move, drive out from Ottawa, and there was nothing there other than the building. Not if um, Snoop gets there. No, so I, I think they want to try and move it back downtown, which would be cool. Um, but I would love, yeah, you know, Snoop Dizzle, you know, get, get in Snoop the mix. Double Jizzle. Yeah, get in the mix. I love No, it. I love it. And, uh, you know, he's obviously you see him at the Kings games and doing yeah. something else saying, and, and, you know, you watch his uh, coach Snoop documentaries and things like that. Like he's a absolute cartoon character, but uh, I, I, his quotes were great. You know, the kids uh, need to know that there's an option to play hockey. If you look like me, like it, you know, it seems like he's got 
a lot of the right intentions. And I think if he had to, I, I think his kids are all older now, but I would have loved to see coach Snoop behind the bench of a, uh, of a hockey team. Imagine yeah. Snoop buys a team and fires the coach and he's behind the bench. <laughs> be unbelievable. That would be pretty, pretty sick. And, and <laughs> after they score, they have to do the crip walk. That would be <laughs> like that would, that would be uh, that would be amazing. Snoop, Snoop a loop. We listened to that CD uh, on repeat in my Thaloker room. It was amazing. <laughs> Straight out of the dog pound. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, hopefully, good luck to Snoop and you know who's the other one? Ryan, Ryan, uh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, kind of little two different personalities there, but it's good to see some of these celebrities uh, in, interested in buying the Ottawa Senators, Senators of all franchises. Um, I wanted to touch on USA Hockey extending their partnership with the um, ACHA, the ACHA, uh, which is really cool to see. You know, USA Hockey, um, you know, staying involved with that group. Obviously, they just had their playoffs this week. I'm going to pull up their champions match. Uh, well, you maybe chat about it real quick. Um, no, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, the partnership, damn it, you know, furthering the development and growth and visibility of college hockey in the United States. You know, we've seen the shift like over the course of a number of years. But, uh, you know, when I was coming through, like not as many college players were, you know, making that step into the NHL or the AHL. Um, but that that trend has shifted dramatically, and you see the benefits of going to college, getting a degree, or even just getting the foundation of a um, you know education while performing athletically. And these NHL teams kind of have realized that they're getting a lot more practice time. They're working out consistently. They have high-end professionals working with them off ice. So they come in physically and mentally stronger as athletes. So the shift has happened in um, USA Hockey and uh, the ACHA. Having that partnership is very, very important for the development and growth of uh, future athletes. Yeah, and keeping kids involved in the game, which I think is awesome. And and I just want to read this. The ACHA provides the infrastructure for non-varsity collegiate ice hockey and includes more than – 450 teams through three men's and two women's divisions. The ACHA was founded with 15 charter members in 1991 and quickly grew to over 150 teams in three men's divisions. A woman, uh, a woman's division was added in 2000 with the second women's division starting in 2006, 2007. So it is, you know, great to see USA hockey collaborating and working with them. And um, the, 2022-23 season uh, was just concluded and the champions were crowned. So I want to shout out uh, at the men's division one level, uh, Minot State University, the women's division one, Liberty University, men's D2, University of Massachusetts, women's D2, uh, Salt College, uh, S-A-U-L-T. How would you say that? Yeah, Salt. Uh, yeah. Sure. Salt, Suit. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> Saul Samory. Yeah. Sue. Yeah, that's a Sioux College. Uh, and uh, <laughs> men's Division Three, uh, the University of Michigan. So at least Michigan was able to win one championship 
at uh, even though they got such a high-powered Division One, you know, uh, NCAA team. So good uh, kudos to the you know USA Hockey and the ACHA for um, extending that partnership because, uh, like you said, growing the game and keeping more and more kids playing is what it's all about, and why we all love the game. Now it's great, and you see a lot of players that have come through, and we talk about um, you know playing as long as you can for these kids because they've put so much time energy and effort and parents have put so much time and commitment, you know, financially and uh, you know, you know, the, the time to get them to the ranks and whatnot. And these club teams legitimately are a great Avenue to continue to play, get a good education and um, experience the college life. So uh, good on USA hockey and the ACHA for continuing that partnership. No, that's great. And obviously, I know in the the past day or so here, they've had the USHL draft. So it's good to see some, you know, a bunch of kids uh, taking the next steps in their, you know, high school and, 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 you know, future, right? You never know. Some of these kids could end up playing in the USHL and then going to play Division One or Division Three, or maybe in the ACHA someday, right? So I know you know some kids that uh, were drafted. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, for me, like, uh, you know, seeing some of the names, it's really neat. You know, a good friend, Alex Brooks, his son, Dexter, got drafted to Madison. So congratulations to Dexter. Uh, you know, Alex is uh, the guy that got me my job with the Chicago Blackhawks when I stopped playing scouting. So big shout out to Dexter. Uh, that guy, you know, blocked shots and was so selfless. So hopefully Dexter takes after his dad and – uh continues in the Brooks way and is a good teammate and good player. So best of luck and congratulations. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. Uh, some finalists were announced for the uh, Calder Trophy. Uh, Mott's Matty Beneers, obviously the Rookie of the Year. Stuart Skinner from Edmonton. Uh, Owen Power in Buffalo. Who you got? Matty Beneers. Matty Beneers. All right, Lady Bing finalists. Anze Kopitar, Jack Hughes, Braden Point. Who you got? I'm gonna have to check the pims on that one. I know. I, I'm not sure. Like usually it is the lowest, but you know, gentlemen, like I'd like Braden Point as a player, like all around. Uh Kobita mm-hmm. is like solid. Hughes, you know, has plenty of runway. I'm gonna go with Braden Point. I'm gonna go with Hughes because I think he's just gonna get like, you know, overlooked for some of the other awards. So they're gonna give this one as a little bit of a charity. Okay. Um so I'll go Hughes and Selkie, uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, from the Bruins. Obviously, his record 12th straight nomination. Nico Heischer from New Jersey and Mitch Mana from Toronto. I think we should just say it at the same time here, but yeah, Bergie. Bergie, right? But, uh, you know, Mana, like that's a, a real cool, um, you know, tribute to his game, number yeah. one. Especially you know, for such an offensive weapon. Yeah, he's so offensive, and he blocks shots. He does. He he's he's a very very good hockey player, like all around. And it's really cool because he, that can get overlooked when you get putting up the points on the power play and whatnot. But he does things correctly in all three zones, and and he does play a very good defensive game. But um, you know, Bergie, he's gonna go out in style with the uh, with the Selkie and retire. Yeah, I 
I hate to agree, but I definitely agree with you on that one. I want to say power too back for the call there. Like I think Benares wins it, and that's going to be great. And hopefully we can get a you know him on someday. But I think that power is going to be a future stud. Um, you know, young player up in Buffalo, played at Michigan, big kid, like kind of a you know next coming of a Victor Hedman. I see. Yeah. Um, so I think he's gonna. You know, the, all these guys have have great bright futures ahead of them. But he could be a guy we look back at and say like oh man did did power not win the rookie of the year like and and you know he goes on and is like a 20-time all-star and all that type of stuff you know what i mean so uh, i really like his game uh but mods i think that pretty much wraps it up obviously next week's going to be a mailbag episode make sure you keep sending those in rink shrinks at gmail.com or a voicemail 3476 shrink again that number is 347-674 seven four six five uh you can also hit us on the instagram at the rink shrinks twitter at rink shrinks uh we obviously thank everybody for reaching out and hit us up hitting us up interacting with us on social media um you know continue to like and subscribe and keep coming with those questions uh thanks to tony amonte for jumping on he was great and thank you to the sponsor sparks hockey tsr hockey Franklin Sports and my hockey rankings. What do you say, Mott? It's time to uh, cue the rink shrink shuffle jersey or what? (laughs) 